Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. GOP members are drawing up plans for their takeover of the House majority in January. They want to shine a bright light on the FBI in the wake of the Twitter files. The White House responds to the buses of illegal immigrants that arrived at the home of Vice President Kamala Harris on Christmas Eve. Meanwhile, Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema says anyone making immigration policies should visit the border in person. Thousands of flight cancellations and delays continue to affect travel this morning. That's after a huge storm impacted many parts of the U.S. China could be experiencing the largest COVID outbreak in the world. The numbers leaked from a meeting of the country's top health body. Twitter seems to have censored COVID-19 discussion under pressure from government officials. That's according to the latest installment of the Elon Musk's Twitter files. Based on internal emails published by journalist David Zweig, Twitter posts were deleted if they differed from CDC guidelines around COVID-19 or vaccines. Those blocked include posts by Martin Koldorf, a former professor at Harvard Medical School. He was critical of the COVID-19 vaccines in 2021. Rhode Island physician Andrew Bostom was also suspended. But screenshots of the internal files show that only one of his five alleged violations was valid. Citing one of Boston's block tweets, Zweig said the data the doctor cited was legitimate but inconvenient to the U.S. government policies. House Republicans are signaling they want to conduct an in-depth investigation of the FBI once in power. The development comes in light of the Twitter files' revelations. Those highlighted the agency allegedly exercising a heavy influence on policy decisions of the social media company. Entity's Daniel Monahan has the story. Congressman Jim Jordan says the Bureau needs to be investigated in the same manner as the Church Committee. The Church Committee investigated abuses by the CIA, FBI, and other agencies. It was led by Senator Frank Church. The investigations revealed the now infamous CIA MKUltra program. That was an unlawful program that experimented on humans. The objective was to find drugs that interrogators could use to break people and force confessions using brainwashing and psychological torture. Congressman Jordan told Fox News how a whistleblower described the FBI. Rotten at the core, at the Washington field office, at the upper echelons of the FBI. That's what they're telling us. Not one, multiple whistleblowers. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy is also calling for action. He says that private companies have become a political arm of the FBI to go after individuals with no repercussions. He's also calling for a church committee-style investigation. Here's McCarthy on Fox News. The number of whistleblowers that have come forward that have talked to us about this, this is going to be a much bigger situation than people realize. Journalist Matt Taibbi released more internal Twitter files over the weekend. Those suggested that the FBI had assigned staffers to look for Twitter term of service violations to get accounts suspended. Taibbi released a November 2020 message from then-Twitter lawyer James Baker, himself a former FBI official. In the email, Baker noted that it is, quote, odd that the FBI is searching for violations of our policies. In response to the recent reports detailing the FBI's interactions with Twitter, the law enforcement agency claimed that conspiracy theorists are trying to damage the Bureau's work. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Multiple buses with illegal immigrants arrived near the home of Vice President Kamala Harris on Christmas Eve. 
Meanwhile, a group of bipartisan lawmakers in New York City is asking President Biden to declare a federal emergency over the immigration crisis. Three buses, believed to be from Texas, carrying around 120 illegal immigrants, arrived late Saturday outside Vice President Kamala Harris's residence. A local relief agency reportedly told the New York Post the buses were actually headed for New York City, but changed their destination. It's believed the change was made due to heavy snowfall in the north of the country, which has brought transport to a standstill and left thousands without power. The White House on Sunday responded to the arrival, saying Governor Abbott abandoned children on the side of the road in below freezing temperatures on Christmas Eve without coordinating with any federal or local authorities. It is not clear who was responsible for sending the immigrants, and Texas authorities haven't confirmed their involvement. But the bus drop-offs are in line with previous actions by border state governors. They're calling attention to a problem they say is caused by the Biden administration's immigration policies. Meanwhile, in New York City, a group of bipartisan lawmakers is reportedly asking President Biden to declare a federal emergency over the immigration crisis due to the heavy price tag of supporting the arriving people. Six Republicans and two Democrats in the council's Common Sense Caucus reportedly made their request in a letter to Biden, writing, These services, which have already cost our taxpayers hundreds of millions of dollars, are only growing as more buses of migrants arrive each day. We are asking the president to declare the asylum seeker crisis an emergency so that FEMA may reimburse New York City for the entire costs of addressing it. They're also calling on Democrats in Washington to extend the border policy Title 42, which is set to expire. And Arizona Senator Kristen Sinema announced plans to form a group of bipartisan senators to see the southern border firsthand in January. She said this on the Senate floor last week. Now, part of the problem is that many in Washington have never taken the time to really see our border up close. And without seeing it for all of its diversity and its challenges, it can be easy to rely on the partisan talking points instead of focusing on the meaningful, realistic solutions. Cinema says anyone who's responsible for putting immigration policies in place should visit the border. A severe blizzard over the weekend. One of the places it hit hardest was Buffalo, New York. The storm left thousands stuck at home without power and trapped hundreds in their vehicles. Officials say there's been at least 27 storm-related deaths in the area so far. That total is expected to go up as more information comes in. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the situation in Buffalo. The severe blizzard in Buffalo over the weekend left many spinning their wheels. The freezing wind and snow prompted a driving ban on all cars other than emergency crews. The icy road conditions left even some rescuers needing rescue. The Buffalo Police Department asked anyone with a snowmobile to help with search and recovery efforts. Officials say around 16% of Buffalo residents had no electricity on Sunday. Whiteout conditions persisted with two to three inches of snowfall an hour south of the city. The death toll is expected to rise as more bodies are identified and confirmed. Emergency crews could not reach some people in time to treat their medical conditions. Others were found dead in their cars or frozen in snowbanks. New York Governor Kathy Hochul said almost every fire truck in the city was stranded Saturday and that tow trucks, utility vehicles and even snow plows were getting stuck. You need to stay off the roads. We've been begging, we've been asking and the vast majority of you have and I'm so grateful for that. But those of you who violate the driving bans, you may think you can go to the store for that six pack, but you are endangering other people and it's frustrating. 
Hochul says the Biden administration agreed to her request for a federal disaster declaration on Sunday and that around 200 National Guard troops were mobilized in western New York to help first responders bring supplies to shelters and conduct wellness checks. The National Weather Service says some 240 million people in the U.S., more than two-thirds of the population, were under winter weather warnings and advisories on Friday. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Across the country, in Washington state, about 14,000 people also lost power. It wasn't the winter storm, but vandals. They targeted three power substations early Sunday. No suspects are in custody, and officials don't know if it was a coordinated attack. In all three cases, the sheriff's office says someone forced their way into the fenced area to damage the equipment. Two of the substations belong to Tacoma Public Utilities. Those outages affected about 7,300 customers in an area southwest of Tacoma. They got power back around 6.30 last night local time. The other substation belongs to Puget Sound Energy and supplies nearly 7,700 customers. Those who lost power had it restored by 5 a.m. local time. A Puget Sound spokesperson said the company is investigating along with authorities and declined to comment further. Officials have not said how the substations were damaged. Disruptions to Christmas Day travel continued into the morning today with flight cancellations over 1,800 as much of the U.S. reels from the impact of the powerful winter storm. FlightAware data shows that there were also about 3,600 flights delayed in the U.S. this morning. A day earlier on Christmas Day, delays totaled over 7,500 and over 3,000 flights were canceled. Storm Elliott was termed a once-in-a-generation storm by some forecasters. At least 38 people have died and hundreds of thousands were left without power this Christmas. The storm swept through much of the United States and parts of Canada. It brought freezing temperatures, flash floods and blizzards. Ahead of the holiday weekend, around 73% of the U.S. population was under some kind of winter weather advisory or warning. Some regions have now lifted their winter storm warnings, but much of the eastern part of the country is expected to remain in a deep freeze into tomorrow. An Arizona judge rejected Republican Carrie Lake's effort to overturn the results of the governor's race. Lake sued Arizona elections officials to challenge the counting and certification of the November election. Her suit alleged that, quote, hundreds of thousands of illegal ballots infected the election in Maricopa County. The lawsuit targeted Lake's Democratic opponent, Governor-elect Katie Hobbs, currently Arizona's Secretary of State, along with top officials in Maricopa County. The order on Saturday confirmed the election of Hobbs and said it did not find any clear and convincing evidence of misconduct that impacted the outcome of the election. Lake tweeted on Saturday that she would appeal the ruling. Former President Trump has responded to the final report by the House January 6th committee. He released this video statement on his Truth Social platform Friday, saying the committee left out some information. Days before the protest, I urged the deployment of 10,000 to 20,000 National Guard troops to keep the event safe for all involved. We wanted security. We wanted safety. The committee barely even discussed the catastrophic security failures at the Capitol, and they didn't discuss the other thing, the reason that everybody went there, the election, which was a corrupt disaster. They did not discuss why the doors were flung wide open for people to walk right in, and they didn't discuss the role of federal informants. Most importantly, the unselect committee 
did not produce a single shred of evidence that I in any way intended or wanted violence at our Capitol. They covered up multiple tweets, and they covered up a video which were censored by Twitter and the FBI, in which I called for law and order and for no violence. The committee released its final report late Thursday night. It calls for criminal charges against Trump in connection to the breach. The report is over 800 pages and includes about 1,200 interviews, along with the rulings of over 60 federal and state courts. Trump calls the investigation a partisan witch hunt and a fake trial. One of Trump's lawyers, Timothy Parlatori, says the report lacks value and it's written by politicians for a political purpose. The panel calls for Trump to be prosecuted on four counts, a recommendation pending action by the Justice Department. And still to come, South Korean military aircraft scramble to protect the country after drones from North Korea fly over. And video shows chaos at a Chinese funeral home as residents pack the premises despite Chinese authorities reporting zero new COVID deaths. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. Five North Korean drones crossed into South Korea today, and South Korea responded by scrambling jets and attack helicopters and opening fire to try to shoot down the drones. South Korea first detected the drones in the skies over a South Korean city. Local news reports that South Korea's military fired about 100 shots but failed to take out any of the drones. As part of its response, the South Korean military also sent surveillance aircraft into the north to photograph its military installations. In the effort to counter the drones, a South Korean aircraft crashed shortly after departing its base. Its two pilots were able to escape before the crash and are in the hospital. North Korea says it intensified disinfection work at a public bathhouse in capital Pyongyang. Unverified video shows workers disinfecting various equipment and facilities. The video was provided by the North's state-run agency, KCNA. It shows workers at the Undak Health Complex bathhouse disinfecting various equipment and facilities, including a hair salon and barbershop. Residents depend on bathhouses for personal hygiene since residential bathing facilities are rare. KCNA did not say beefing up disinfection was to prevent the spread of COVID-19, but the report came as the state's neighbor and ally China is scrambling to cope with a nationwide wave of infections. A North Korean official who was suspected of having COVID was reportedly executed after a trip to a North Korean bathhouse. He was accused of breaking quarantine orders after visiting China. North Korea has not confirmed how many people have caught COVID. Experts say it lacks the means to conduct widespread testing. China might be going through the largest outbreak of COVID-19 in the world. An estimated 37 million people are contracting the CCP virus every day. That's according to leaked minutes from a meeting of the country's top health body. The leak was confirmed by multiple news outlets. And today's Jeremy Sandberg reports. It's hard to know China's actual numbers when it comes to COVID, as the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, has hardly been forthcoming since the pandemic started. But according to leaked minutes from an internal meeting of China's National Health Commission last week, officials say about 250 million people were infected with the disease in the first 20 days of December. 
That's about 18% of China's population. The figure is exponentially higher than the regime's official virus tally. If accurate, it would put China's outbreak as the largest in the world. Bloomberg and other media outlets confirmed the notes with anonymous officials involved in the discussions. A screenshot of the conference notes circulating online shows the virus apparently spinning out of control, especially in Beijing and southwestern China's Sichuan province. It appears to have hit over half of the residents in those areas. After nearly three years of strict zero-COVID policy, the Chinese people have been left with little natural immunity against the CCP virus. The minutes cited 12 major Omicron sub-variants found in China. The three listed most prevalent are BA 5.2, BF 7, and BM 7. How the agency arrived at these figures remains unclear, as the country abandoned mandatory mass virus testing earlier this month. But the numbers do appear consistent with anecdotal evidence of a spike in infections and deaths nationwide, including among the CCP's elite circle. The numbers also align with analysis by UK researchers projecting up to 279 million cases nationwide, with up to 2.1 million deaths. The virus surge has overloaded morgues and hospitals across China. Experts predict the peak in the whole country will come in January, when tens of millions of people travel across China to celebrate the Lunar New Year with family. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Official statistics from China report no new COVID deaths for the last six days, but large crowds are gathered at a funeral home in the city of Jinan in eastern China. Video obtained by Reuters showed dozens of people in vehicles crowding outside the gate of the funeral home. The second part of the video shows scenes of frustration inside the packed building where people were shouting. Reuters was able to verify the video, but not the date. After nearly three years of ruthless antivirus policy, Chinese leader Xi Jinping scrapped the country's zero-COVID policy this month. Protesters across the country called for an end to the lockdowns and relentless testing as a new outbreak began to surge. Now many say that China's statistics don't reflect the actual number of fatalities. Taiwan reports its largest military incursion to date. 71 fighter jets and military drones from mainland China breached Taiwan's air defense identification zone over 24 hours. Taiwan's defense ministry said 43 of the aircraft also crossed the Taiwan Strait's median line, an unofficial buffer between the two sides that lies within the defense zone. Seven Chinese Navy ships were also detected near Taiwan. Beijing continues military activities close to the self-ruled island. Beijing claims Taiwan as its own territory and said it conducted strike drills in the sea and airspace around Taiwan on Sunday in response to what it said was provocation from both Taiwan and the United States. Taiwan said the drills showed Beijing was destroying regional peace and trying to intimidate Taiwan's people. A senior Taiwanese official told Reuters that China was expressing anger at a new U.S. defense authorization law that boosts military assistance for Taiwan. The official added that during the drills, China's Air Force dispatched warplanes from several locations to simulate attacks on Taiwanese and U.S. warships. Russian state news agency TASS said on Monday that Putin and Chinese leader Xi Jinping will speak before the end of the year. No details on the timing or format were given. It quoted Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov as saying the two sides would release details in due course. Putin and Xi proclaimed a no-limits partnership between the two countries when the Russian leader visited Beijing in February, three weeks before the invasion of Ukraine. 
former Russian President Dmitry Medvedev, now deputy chairman of Putin's Security Council, met Xi on a visit to Beijing last week. The Ukrainian Armed Forces and the National Guard of Ukraine conducted military drills together. The maneuvers reportedly took place near the border with Belarus. Video released on Saturday showed Ukrainian servicemen training to prevent an attack from airborne troops on critical state infrastructure. Belarus has, in recent weeks, announced a flurry of military activity, including readiness checks and a fresh deployment of Russian troops to the country. The maneuvers prompted suggestions from Ukrainian officials that Russia may be planning a fresh attack on Ukraine via Belarus, as it did unsuccessfully in the early days of the war. Meanwhile, a senior Belarus defense official said yesterday that the tactical missile systems that Russia deployed to the country are fully prepared to perform their intended tasks. And just ahead, Germany's traditional roast goose run is back in Berlin this week to help burn off the calories from Christmas celebrations. That and more when we return with NTD News. Christmas feasts are tasty, but for some, it can be a headache to shed calories after the celebrations. In the German capital of Berlin, a special running campaign is underway to help residents stay healthy. A couple hundred runners joined the annual Roast Goose Digestion Run today. Led by one of the organizers with a mock goose in his hand, participants trotted three miles until they reached a small cabin. There, they were rewarded with mulled wine and pastries. The runners used the treats as fuel to run another 5K back to the start. Roast goose is a traditional German Christmas dish, often served with red cabbage, kale, and potato dumplings. After a two-year hiatus due to the pandemic, the runners were excited to revive the goose run tradition. Just before Christmas, Emirates Airlines turned one of its planes into Santa's sleigh in a festive clip, adding to the holiday fun. In a special animated video, reindeer are seen pulling an A380 onto the runway of Dubai International Airport before taking off over the skyline. A fitting caption reads, quote, Captain Claus requesting permission for takeoff. Merry Christmas from Emirates. The clip went viral on social media and has garnered over half a million likes. Comments were flooded with tons of holiday cheer. This year, Emirates collaborated with digital artist Mustafa Eldiasti to create the video. The artist produced a number of creative videos over the past few years, displaying Dubai's iconic attractions in refreshing ways. When you need to get through a busy workday, coffee can provide an energy boost. Coffee is full of antioxidants, which are beneficial for our health. But how does it affect our skin? Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body. Rumor has it that the nation's favorite hot drink can actually wreak havoc on your skin. One of the factors that affect how good or bad coffee is for your skin is what you take your coffee with. Sugar, for example, has been shown to negatively impact the skin and cause wrinkles. Milk is another culprit that negatively affects the skin. Studies have shown that there's a link between skin conditions such as acne and lactose. With this in mind, it might seem that drinking black coffee is the solution. Unfortunately, it's not that simple. Coffee contains caffeine, which increases levels of the stress hormone cortisol. Studies have shown that if you suffer from acne or similar skin conditions, stress can make it worse. 
Coffee does contain antioxidants and polyphenols, but drinking too much coffee can worsen blemishes and wrinkles. It also dehydrates your skin. Dehydration significantly affects the appearance of your skin. The more hydrated you are, the more likely your skin is to look healthy, springy and glowing. The caffeine in coffee makes coffee a mild diuretic. If you drink a significant amount of coffees a day, this diuretic effect can dehydrate you. It will leave your skin looking drier and worsening the appearance of wrinkles. Caffeine can also have negative effects on the skin's aging process. It can cause blood vessels to constrict. As a result, your skin's surface can't deliver as many nutrients and antioxidants. Ultimately, this will impede collagen production. Caffeine is great for an energy boost, but that extra spark during the day can keep you lying awake at night. 400 milligrams of caffeine can affect sleep even when it's consumed six hours before bedtime. When you sleep less, all of your important bodily functions are affected. Your skin also takes a hit. Poor sleep can result in dull, dry skin and under eye bags. As with most things, coffee works best when you drink it in moderation. Two cups a day is a reasonable amount to avoid excessive harm to your skin. That's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. Please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.